Amen. Well, good morning, Crossridge, and <clears throat> happy Father's Day to you as well from myself, all those who are listening out there. What a high and a holy calling. The one who called us to this role is the same one who sustains us and keeps us along the way. Often on days like today, I find myself evaluating myself as a dad. And when I do, often I don't love what I see. Temptation can be to be more aware of my struggle and my failures and the many sins that entangle me. <clears throat> I've told my kids for a lot of years, because I have a lot of kids, um, that I think one of the main reasons I'm in their life is to model repentance and asking forgiveness because I mess up a lot as a dad but when I do God in his kindness is always bringing me back to the good news of the gospel you see dads the power of sin has been broken over your life but the presence of sin still remains and while it remains there will always be a struggle until Jesus returns. But can I encourage you this morning to love the gospel, to preach the gospel to yourself every day. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1? And my text this morning is verses 8 to 19, but I'm going to read verse 7 before we jump in. We're continuing on in our summer series called The Beginning of Wisdom. And I think today is the first day of summer. It doesn't feel like it out there, but it is the first day of summer. The reason why I want to start reading from verse 7 is because last Sunday, Pastor Lee said that verse 7 is the foundational verse for the book of Proverbs. It's the foundational verse verse for the book of Proverbs. So before we read, could we take a moment to pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, so that we this morning could call you our Heavenly Father. We ask that you would open our eyes this morning, that we would see wonderful things in your law. Would you teach us, Holy Spirit, grant to us the gift of illumination. Open your word, and we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, 
Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. I got three points this morning. And Pastor Lee, his final point last Sunday was wisdom is not static, but always directly proportional to our relationship with God. And he also said that we are invited here at the beginning of the book of Proverbs to attain wisdom by being in relationship with the source of wisdom. So my first point this morning is the source of wisdom from verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The source of wisdom is God himself. God is not a means to gaining wisdom or to gaining anything else. Often we make God a means when he should be the end. Having God himself is being wise and having wisdom. Be careful that you don't go to God asking for wisdom as if it's an add-on like ordering yam fries instead of regular when you go to Cactus Club for dinner. God, God alone is the source of wisdom and the way that you become wise is by getting God himself. The Bible teaches that we can't know God without trusting in Jesus Christ, God's Son. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He stepped down into our darkness in order that He might rescue us from our sin, the sin that separated us from God. In the beginning, in Genesis 1 and 2, things were as they should be. It was God who created everything and he created everything and it was very good. He was the creator. He was the ruler. He was the king over everything. And there was man made in his image. Man was to be in submission to his rule and to his authority. And then Genesis 3 happened. Man decided that we didn't want God to be king. We rebelled against his rule and his authority. We took the crown from his head and we placed it on our own heads and decided that we would be better off doing what we think is best. Our ways were wise in our own eyes and our best laid plans were our demise. Nothing in the world has gone right ever since. But the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came to be a mediator between God and man. I love Romans 5 verses 6 to 8. It says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ 
died for us. Christ made it possible through his death and resurrection to know God and in knowing God to be wise. So at the outset this morning, I want to ask this question. Have you placed all of your trust in Jesus? Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? Do you love Him? Do you honor Him? Do you fear Him? Or are you asking God for wisdom without God? Apart from abiding in Jesus, you may appear wise, but the Bible calls you a fool. Listen to these words of Jesus from Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Believe in me, my words. Live according to my words and you will be wise, Jesus is saying. You'll have the necessary tools in your toolbox when life comes at you fast and furious to deal with it. John 15, 5, I am the vine, Jesus said, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You want to be wise this morning? He's the source of wisdom. He's the end. Jesus, knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and walking with Jesus is the end. Love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and you will be wise. I was taking a walk this week and I was reflecting on my life this far. And I, as I think about the ways the Lord has led me, I'm often amazed there's not a lot that I can boast about, but there's an awful lot that I can praise and thank God for. I didn't even graduate from high school, and this is not a uh, advertisement to say don't you don't graduate from high school. Please go to high school and please go to college and be the smartest you can possibly be. But uh, as circumstances had it, I did not graduate from high school, and some of you are saying, ah, that explains it. <laughs> uh, yes, it explains it. But every move in my life, every new opportunity that presented itself along the way has constantly left me amazed at God's kindness. I don't deserve this kindness, this grace. His gentle leadings. But every day since 1978, the winter of 1978, at the age of 13 years old, when I encountered Jesus, every day he's become more real to me. And the more I know him, 
the more I love him and the more I love him, the more he in his infinite wisdom continues to lead and direct my life. According to worldly standards, I shouldn't be doing very well. But God's in his infinite wisdom is not is not like the world's wisdom. When I think of Paul the Apostle, opposite of the spectrum for me, a real bright guy. Philippians 3, we read of just how bright he was. But he says, all of that, when I met Jesus, I considered as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. You want to be wise? Can I encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, the source of true wisdom? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, I love this, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Pastor Lee wrapped up last week by saying, I think it's fitting for us that at the outset of this series to evaluate our own relationship with God. In my first point this morning, I think it's right that we evaluate our walk with Jesus Christ. Is he your Lord and Savior and do you passionately love him more than you love anything else? To fear God is to love Christ for he is the power and the wisdom of God. My second point, the means for wisdom. The means for wisdom. After fearing God, in this text, wisdom calls us to accept instruction from our parents. God uses our parents as a a means, not the only means, but as a means to gain wisdom. Verse 8, hear, my son, your father's instructions and forsake not your mother's teachings. Now, father's instruction, mother's teaching, it's our calling, moms and dads. Notice here that both parents are responsible to teach their children. I always say that every moment is a teaching moment. I love being out in nature with my kids. I love hanging out at the park and observing the various types of trees and flowers. And I always, I love to say, hey guys, look at this. Look at this tree. Look at that tree. Look at this berry. Everything here, these these things point to us and they tell us that God is great, that God is big. We look for moments to teach our children. This is our job. God has given them to you. He's given them to me. And God will provide all that we need as parents to raise them in a manner worthy of the gospel. Dads and moms, 
We must, we must make sure that both our proclamation and our demonstration matches. That's why we need to be tapped into the source of wisdom and be delighting in Jesus and loving Jesus. And then it's from that overflow that we seek to, we, we proclaim Jesus to our children and we, we not only proclaim him, but we demonstrate Jesus to our children. We demonstrate that we love God's word more than anything else and that our lives are governed by God's word. Wisdom says, listen, it says to, it says, hear my son, hear my daughter. Don't forsake, don't forsake my teachings. Don't forsake this means of grace. I want to speak just for a couple of minutes to, to, if you're here, you're listening this morning and you're a child or you're a teenager, you're listening in. I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes. Regarding verse 8, Mark Herzer writes, Our culture worships all things young. Parents are tolerated at best. They are no longer important or necessary. But The Bible, on the other hand, indicates that one of the first steps we are to take in order to be wise is to heed the instruction of parents this is, is in accordance with the first commandment with the promise in Ephesians 6 to 1 Timothy 5 4 listen if you're a young man or a young lady and you're listening in today can I encourage you to listen to hear your father's instruction and not to forsake your mother's teaching They are a means of God's grace in your life to make you wise. They might not be cool, but they're God's means in your life so that you will be wise. Don't be embarrassed by them. I've heard stories of Kids telling their parents to drop them off several blocks away from the school because they don't want to be in the line so that their friends can see their parents. What often breaks my heart is when I hear a child telling off their parent or yelling at them in defiance. greatest thing you can do is to recognize the means of grace that you have in your father and your mother they are God's kindness they're fences as you continue to grow those fences are pushed back until ultimately removed you need to boldly speak of your parents in a way that's honoring to love them to love being with them To respect them as God's good gift of authority in your life. Would you hear and would you listen? Would you not forsake the teachings of your parents? What about those listening in today that don't have a father or mother that proclaims and demonstrates a deep love for Jesus? 
What about those listening that don't have a godly mom, a godly dad? Who are you to listen to? Father's Day is a great day for some. This afternoon, all my kids are coming over. And uh, we're going to eat and laugh and have a great time together. For many, that's not the reality. Maybe you've never really had a dad that you respected or could look up to. Psalm 68.5 says of our God that he's the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows. How does God father the fatherless? I think one ways, one of the ways he does is he calls us. He awakens our hearts and he calls us into his family. We have brothers and sisters. We have spiritual moms and spiritual dads. Come alongside us as a means for gaining wisdom. I can't tell you how many times a spiritual father or a mother in the faith has instructed me in the ways of the Lord. And I stand here and I am what I am today because of that. To the new believers in the Greek city of Thessalonica, Paul wrote these words. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Notice that? We shared with you the gospel, the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, but we demonstrated it by sharing our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Listen, If you're at Crossridge and you are an older person, an older gentleman, an older lady, could I encourage you to intentionally invest in that way as we see Paul the Apostle deal with many in this church as if your own children encouraging, comforting, and urging them to live lives worthy of God. Paul writes to Titus about how we're to conduct ourselves in the church. In Titus, we read chapter 2, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so to train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Thank God for the family of God. Thank God for those that love Jesus deeply and love, love their life to show it. 
thank God that there are means of wisdom. I would encourage you, younger people, get around these ones. Get around them. Ask them if they'd go for coffee. Hang out with them and learn from them. Why? Verse 9 says, For their teaching, they are a graceful garland on your head and pendants for your neck. Bruce Walkie says of this verse, These are symbols of honor and life that can hardly be disregarded. Furthermore, they, the teachings, are the adornments. The adornments are not something future and intrinsic to them. All children who obey their godly parents and embrace the teaching of this book wear the teaching as heroes wore the great wreath. We need to lean in and we need to tap into this means of grace. Those around us, those in our church that love Jesus deeply and have both in their proclamation and their demonstration shown that, we need to be saying, hey, how can I hang out with you and learn from you? My third point is the message of wisdom. The message of wisdom. We hear this message and it's this. Don't be wise don't, sorry, don't be enticed by the gang, by sinful peers, because it will end in death. The message from God through our parents or those whom God has placed in our life that we might be wise is this. Avoid bad company. Avoid bad company. He's saying, have a high regard, regard for your parents' advice. Listen to their message. And what is their message? Avoid bad company. Every young man or woman is confronted with peer pressure. Would you say amen? If you're a teenager, listen out there. With opportunities to run with the crowd against the parents' judgment. Again, Bruce Walke says, The son's allegiance to the family's inherited worldview must be sharply delineated from that of the gang who seek to draw him into their corruption. So verse 10, my son, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. The NLT says, turn your back on them and turn away. I like how Paul the Apostle says in in Titus, he's talking to, to Timothy and he tells him to flee youthful lusts. That word flee is to turn around and run in the opposite direction. Sinners in Proverbs are those who have already chosen the path of folly and sin. They love company and they love to mislead. They're not content to sin on their own. Their words are often seductive, but they don't tell the whole story. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. The message is, son, don't be foolish. Recognize that following sinful peers on this path will end badly. Again, Mark Herzer says this, all sin and all seduction have some good in view. 
That is, one will gain something from its satisfaction, pleasure, money, power, revenge, etc. Verse 14 promises camaraderie. The person will be one of the gang with one purse, easy money with promised friendship. Who can resist? With money, the young man can get what he wants. With friends, he can use it in happy happy company. This is the way of the world. And then he goes on to say, parents need to instruct their children as true to the true nature of their certain ways, of certain ways. We must not downplay or overstate it, but any path that deviates from God must be painted for what it is. Any path that deviates from God must be painted for what it is. There's clearly two paths in this text. The one path is fear the Lord, listen to instruction, and be wise. It leads to life. But the other path is walk in the way of sinners, and it's going to end bad for you. It's going to end in death. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path. The two paths are in absolute opposition to each other. I find that the older I get, um, the less I'm fitting in. I'm on batch number three of children. Uh, so let's see, the, the, other, the, the, the grown-up ones are all grown up and... Thank you, Jesus. They love you. And that is a, a, a work of grace. You save them. And I, oh, my heart just rejoices when I think of my, my older kids. And then I have teenagers and I'm going through the same thing with these teenagers as I went through with the first batch. And then there's a whole new batch coming up at nine and seven and two. And I'm going to have to do it again. And I think the reason why I have to do it all the time is because God still said I haven't figured it out yet. So he's still working on me and still trying to teach me, I guess. I often hear, Dad, what do you think this is, like 1949? (laughs) It's like, hello, I was not born in 1949, 1965. Um, There's a culture and there's a path and there's a way and the Bible just seems to be in such opposition often to the culture. There's a present reality and then there's an unseen reality and we live in the present reality and if we're not careful, that present reality can absolutely dominate everything. Proverbs fourteen twelve in the NIV says this, there is a way that appears to be right. If we're not careful, teens... There's a way that appears to be right. And it seems a little off in comparison to what our parents might be saying. So a way that seem, may appear to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Listen to verse 16. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. 
In vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set ambush for their own lives. Seems that what he's saying is on this path, the sinner can't even recognize that it will end badly for him. They're dumber than birds, for even a bird is smart enough to avoid an obvious trap. Verse 19, we conclude by saying, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. One commentary says the message of verse 19 is this, getting money or stuff the wrong way at others' expense will destroy you. Using people, abusing people, or cheating people to get money will end badly. Unchecked greed, lustful desires, or ravenous craving for money and stuff at any cost will destroy you. It does not deliver what it promised. Jesus said it this way in Mark's gospel. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Listen to this. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You see, losing your life for Jesus' sake is wisdom. Knowing and loving Jesus makes you wise, for he is the wisdom of God. Listen to the instruction and wise counsel of your parents or your spiritual fathers and mothers in the church. Listen to them because they are God's means to make you wise. And their message is this, avoid bad company. Don't let sinners entice you. Do not walk in the way of them. They, are, they, they think they are gaining the world, but ultimately they are losing their souls. Oh, oh, that we would tap into the source of wisdom, that we would apply ourselves to the means of wisdom and that we would hear the, the message of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I pray that you would make us wise. But I'm sure there's some listening in this morning that have abandoned the love they had at first. They've lost sight of you. Things and stuff has come in and taken over and ruling on the throne of their heart, the place that was only ever intended for you, but you've been pushed out and stuff has come in. And God, I pray that you would this morning awaken their heart afresh to who you are and how worthy you are of their life. Show them the deep, deep love of Jesus for them and let that love motivate them to want to proclaim you and to demonstrate you. Father, for the teens listening, that they would they would uh, listen, that they would see their parents as means of your grace to being wise. That they would listen to the message. God, we ask you to do a work in us. Make us wise. Well, we want to be, we want to love you and delight in you and know from that place is where our wisdom will come. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.